uh, I've brought some of my cards here, and so um, we don't do as a church. We don't do uh, you know private counseling per se. We, we don't think that's the most valuable way, uh, frankly, to uh, encourage folks. We think that uh, again, as you've heard us say in here, the value of community is too too valuable to just do. Hey, let's come and share all your dirty secrets here with just me, and I promise I won't tell anybody. Um, you know, that's um, there's. A, I'll say this: there's value to that. Uh, but I, I think that without community and without people uh, outside of that little isolated counselor who know the exact same things that that little counselor knows, um, I think it's an insufficient uh, model. That's what we would say. And so I think there is value in uh, you know going to a counselor, but if that counselor is the only one who knows things about you, um, then, then that's it's not healthy. And so there ought to be others who know those things about you, who know that you're struggling through that. And so, again, so we don't necessarily uh, encourage that and we, we don't carry that out. But what we do is uh, that we're happy to meet with you guys within, you know, we'll, we'll usually bring in one or maybe two other folks to come and have conversations. And so, uh, as I said, there's so many different uh, you know, variations of this conversation that, you know, even in a class like this, it's hard to say, okay, well, now everybody's question just got answered, right? Uh, you know, uh, most of you are still going, wait, I still don't understand kind of where I fall into that. Great. We're happy to talk through that a little bit more to offer more clarity. What I don't want to promise uh, is that, that um, you know, that, that all your questions will be answered there either. Okay, because I think um, I think for every faithful step you take forward, there's a whole other litany of faithful and unfaithful steps that that you know show up. You know, it's kind of like wearing a little headlamp where you you walk forward, you see that spot. Okay, great, I see that. Oh, now I see there's you know a pond in front of me. Now what do I do? You know, uh, and so it's just not a real. Um, you know, we're not going to give you in one shot. Okay, here's the. You know, here's all the answers. That's why we think community is so valuable to walk with you through that um, and to help you figure out when you come to that next little step, all right, where do I go from here? Okay. So um, as we talk about remarriage, uh, I, I you know, say this is the remarriage debate because um, uh, there is not a ton uh, of clarity on this. We say all the time that we want to be a, a Bible-based church to stand firm where God's word is firm and to be flexible where we feel like it's flexible. And, and in this issue, we feel like there is some flexibility, uh, although not as much as uh, maybe some others would think there should be. And so we, we do have a stance on this issue of remarriage, uh, but we also can completely understand the stances of others that are out there, uh, and we celebrate that. And so we'll, we'll talk a little bit about how that plays out for us, but um, it really is a debate. Nowhere in God's word will you find the word remarriage. Okay, and so if you just you know take your concordance out and you know or, or find a good Bible software and you type in remarriage, you just won't find it. Um, it's just not there. Now there are ideas like you know Richard talked about, and we'll read again in Deuteronomy 24, where there's kind of a remarriage is discussed, um, remarriage is alluded to in, in other passages, but there is just not uh, a place where you know Paul or Jesus or uh, you know Moses or anybody else went, okay, so now here's how you handle remarriage, and so. Our understanding of it is based off of the collection of God's word uh, in this, and uh, and frankly, dealing with what are pretty um, uh, unclear passages of Scripture. And so we just acknowledge that we understand there's a gray area, and so we believe that there's kind of a parentheses 
around, if you will, kind of a parentheses around this topic that we go, hey, you know what, there's people that are on kind of this end of the parentheses that you know, we can hang with, and there's people on this end of the parentheses that we can hang with and everywhere in between. But we also realize there are some folks that are outside of those parentheses that we just go, man, I don't think you can, you can uh, you know, hang with us as a church if you're kind of outside of these parentheses. Okay, and so that's kind of the the disclaimer on this discussion. Uh, so I, I'm a good uh, procrastinator. I like to start with the obvious and uh, you know with, with the easy stuff. And uh, and so what is obvious is that remarriage is obviously permitted uh, when the former spouse is deceased. And, and uh, you know Romans 7:2 talks about that. For example, by law, a married woman is bound to her husband as long as he is alive. But if her husband dies, she is released from the law of marriage. And then 1 Corinthians 7:39. And so there are um, there are certainly allowances for uh, uh, for remarriage in the scripture where the party uh, has uh, has passed away. That's obvious. And I don't just want to say that just because it's obvious. Also because I think it will help us as you see kind of where we fall out on the remarriage piece for, for others because uh, scripture informs other scripture. Uh, another little chart that I, I gave you, um, which you may or may not be able to read either on the screen or the handout, um, is uh, from the uh, the God, Marriage, and Family book. Uh, and these are really kind of the four main uh, uh, views on divorce and remarriage. And so what I wanted to, why I put that up there is for a couple of reasons. One, just so you can see what those four are. Uh, but two, if you'll notice at the bottom there is just who are, the, who are some of the folks that kind of hold this view. And, and what just strikes me about this is, man, there are guys on this list that I just go, man, I would follow that guy into battle any day, into theological battle, if you will, any day on a number of different topics. And they're all under these four deals. All right. So I love John MacArthur. I love Don Carson uh, and, and, you know, their stance. I love John Piper. Obviously, Dwight Pentecost is a you know, professor of mine from Dallas Seminary who holds this other view. Frankly, I don't know these other guys that well, but these other guys, I would go, man, they probably have very solid theological uh, understandings of Scripture. And so I'd follow them. But obviously, these guys have four pretty uh, varied and distinctive views on this topic of remarriage. Uh, and so, uh, so it's really uh, it's interesting to see uh, those, um, those differences within guys who you respect the way they handle the Scriptures. These aren't guys that are just, you know, Sorry, I was about to go somewhere I shouldn't have. Uh, these, these aren't guys. Things happen in my mind that you just don't want to know about. Uh, you know, these are uh, these aren't guys that are just kind of you know throwing the Bible around, going, ah, I don't care. You know, I mean, these are guys who really take time uh, to be careful with God's word, and yet they come out on different ends of this. So that really, the four views are, uh, you know, these guys would say, hey, there's allowance for divorce and remarriage for adultery and desertion. Okay, and so looking at uh, you know adultery and uh, the desertion specifically by an unbelieving spouse, as you'll see there. Uh, other guys would say, hey, I think divorce, but no remarriage for adultery and desertion. Okay, and so uh, they believe that there are provisions for divorce there, but that there are no provisions for remarriage uh, in the case of adultery and desertion. Uh, and then there's other guys like John Piper, frankly, uh, is probably the most prominent among them who say, I don't believe there's ever permission for divorce and I don't believe there's ever permission for remarriage in any case. Now, what Piper would say, along with Paul, is it happens. OK, and so we're not he's not being a, um, 
you know, complete idealist in the sense that it you know, just doesn't happen, and so we're just not going to care for him. In fact, um, I'll just read this quote real quick from, from Piper's book. Um, he says, there are two ways to respond lovingly and caringly to this situation, talking about divorce and remarriage. One is to come alongside divorced persons and stand by them as they grieve and repent of any sinful part of their own. Then we may stay by them through the transitions and help them find a way to enjoy the forgiveness and the strength for new obedience that Christ obtained when he died and rose again. The other way is to respond lovingly and caringly. Uh, I'm sorry, the other way to respond lovingly and caringly is to articulate a hatred of divorce and why it is against the will of God and do all we can biblically to keep it from happening. Compromises on the sacredness and lifelong permanence of marriage, positions that weaken the uh, solidity of the covenant union, may feel loving in their short run, but wreak havoc for thousands over the decades. And so basically what he's saying is, look, we can be loving in the sense that we care for people who are going through divorce and we want to be faithful to do that, but we are also loving when we say that divorce should never happen. Okay? Now, I do believe that God's word gives uh, permissions for divorce, like you've already heard, but I also... Uh, will fight to the death to, uh, to not allow divorce to happen, whether it's in my marriage or I'll fight with others in their marriages. And so while I think there are permissions, I think man, God's preference is that it just never, ever, ever happened. And so where Piper lands on that, I happen to agree. Um, so anyway, so we want to be loving uh, in the way that we do that. Um, and then, you know, the last one there, that guy kind of stands all by himself. But, uh, you know, no divorce, no remarriage for adultery, uh, divorce and remarriage for desertion. All right, so those are the four things. So what I want to do is just kind of walk through the, the remarriage passages as we see them uh, and then just kind of talk about, I want to present to you uh, as best I can kind of a holistic, hey, this is uh, where some people fall out and uh, this is where others fall out. And so I want to give you kind of both sides and, arguments a little bit. It's such a, a long discussion that there's just no way I could uh, talk to you about everything that there is to talk about. And so really, I'm kind of narrowing these four down to two, even as we look at these passages. Um, and so let's just look at them. Uh, in Matthew 19, which we've already looked at, um, but just once again, uh, you know, the teachers say, why then, they asked, Jesus, did Moses command that a man give his wife a certificate of divorce and send her away? And Jesus replied, Moses permitted you to divorce your wives because your hearts were hard, but it was not this way from the beginning. I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife except for marital unfaithfulness and marries another woman commits adultery. Now, there's two possible conclusions from this. One is uh, that some would say, well, Jesus is uh, permitting remarriage uh, where there's been unf- marital unfaithfulness. Uh, the others would say, no, 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 the exception clause here, which is the except for marital unfaithfulness, it only applies to divorce and does not in any way allude to remarriage. Uh, we at Watermark and I personally happen to agree with the second of that. I, I don't believe that when Jesus said um, except for marital unfaithfulness uh, that he was referring to remarriage in this case. He was talking only about uh, divorce, okay? And it just so happened that his next statement was, and he marries another woman, commits adultery. And so he's talking about really anybody, I think, um, you know, that, that's a more of a broad statement, uh, the, the marries another woman piece. Okay? So the exception clause, I think, only applies to um, the issue of divorce and not the issue of remarriage. But there are others who would say, no, 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 remarriage uh, you know, is permitted by this little exception clause by Christ. 
I would say, um, <laughs> uh, so the question for the sake of the recording was, if uh, uh, what I'm saying is, uh, you know, uh, or is what I'm saying, that uh, when divorce happens for uh, adultery, that the two parties are to remain single forever. Um, yes and no, and let, let me answer that question. Let, let me go through and kind of unpack the rest of this, and I think it will help to... to um, Answer that question. Sure, sure, yep. Uh, yeah, the statement was it seems rather cruel. And, and, and here's what I would say, and I, I was going to say this at the end, but I'll say it here. I think that the bad news of marriage, or of divorce and remarriage, if you will, the quote unquote bad news, is the good news of the gospel. Uh, because where Jesus says, look, I will never leave you or forsake you, he means it. And so I think when God commands this strict uh, parentheses, if you will, around the divorce remarriage piece, I think we look at that and we go, I mean, God wants me to hold to that because that is the best display of his love for his bride. And so what's the best way that I can model the glory of Christ? Well, it would be that I would remain faithful, that I would remain hopeful for reconciliation, and that I would pursue that at all costs. We'll come back to that in a minute. Okay? Um, so that's one passage. The other passage is, uh, here we go, First uh, Corinthians 7, uh, which we've already looked at again, but just uh, going back to it. Uh, in First Corinthians 7, 12 through 13 and 15, 16, uh, Paul says, To the rest I say this, I not the Lord. If any brother has a wife who is not a believer and she is willing to live with him, he must not divorce her. And if a woman has a husband who is not a believer and he is willing to live with her, she must not divorce him. But if the unbeliever leaves, let him do so. A believing man or woman, you know what, I'm sorry, I wanted to do one other thing. Let's go back to the Matthew 19 deal. I just want to present one other side of this discussion. Sorry, got ahead of myself. Uh, Piper and others will argue for what they call the betrothal view when they, when they look at this, okay? And so the betrothal view is this, is that... Uh, Piper and others believe that when Jesus is talking about marriage here and when he's talking about divorce, he's referring to something similar to what we see when Joseph and Mary uh, uh, you know, go through kind of the Mary gets pregnant and Joseph has this uh, thought of quote-unquote divorcing her. What we know about that is that uh, Joseph and Mary were not married at that time. But they were betrothed to each other. And the Jewish tradition was uh, that... Um, uh, you know, that, that you would be betrothed, which was almost as good as married, but you had not consummated that marriage at all. Uh, the, the husband uh, would go away, or the fiancé, I guess, would go away and would prepare a home for, uh, for his bride. By the way, see John 14 when Jesus says, look, I'm leaving to go prepare a place for you. He, he's being a good bridegroom, okay? So, uh, so Joseph would go away, prepare the home, uh, and it was also a time to see, would this woman remain faithful to me? In other words, is she about to get pregnant, you know? Uh, and so that's why when Mary showed up pregnant, it was, oh, maybe I should divorce her. In other words, maybe I should end this betrothal. And so there are a number of people who would look at this passage and who would say, look, uh, this, when Jesus is talking about divorce, he's talking about it really a breaking off of the, uh, um, the engagement rather than a divorce of the marriage, okay? Maybe. I don't happen to agree with that. Uh, I can see where those guys would get there, Okay. Um, but I don't think that's what Jesus had in mind. I do think that he was talking about uh, marriage explicitly. So I just wanted to present that just as you, uh, you know, maybe want to do more work on this, you're going to see that um, issue come up. So now, back to 1 Corinthians. 
Uh, to the rest I say this, I not the Lord. If any brother has a wife who is not a believer and she is willing to live with him, he must not divorce her. And if a woman has a husband who is not a believer and he is willing to live with her, she must not divorce him. But if the unbeliever leaves, let him do so. A believing man or woman is not bound in such circumstances. God has called us to live in peace. How do you know, wife, whether you will save your husband? Or how do you know, husband, whether you will save your wife? And so two possible conclusions that come out of this. One is that remarriage is permissible for, an unbe- for a, a believer abandoned by an unbeliever. Okay, And specifically looking at um, the verse, I believe it's 15, where it says a, a believing man or woman is not bound in such circumstances. Okay, uh, And then others say that no longer bound. Paul is not, again, he has no... Uh, vision of remarriage as he's talking about this he's only talking about divorce and he's just saying you're not bound to that marriage uh in other words divorce is permissible but he's not talking about remarriage we again uh, uh as a church as a whole do believe that that opens up the opportunity for remarriage we would take the first view on that which is that remarriage is permissible uh for a believer who's been abandoned by an unbeliever okay um the reason for that, uh, a couple of reasons for that. Uh, if you look at the language there where it says God is called, I'm sorry, uh, a believing man or woman is not bound in such circumstances, you can go back to both the Romans 7 uh, passage and the uh, 1 Corinthians 7:39 verse that talks about when the spouse passes away. Paul uses that same language where he talks about, hey, she's no longer bound to uh, this marriage covenant. And so, again, we would never say to someone who's a, a widow or a widower, uh, you're not free to remarry. Uh, and so I don't think, uh, I think in this case, that with that same language being used, uh, that it does provide provision for remarriage to take place where a believer has been married to an unbeliever. L- let me also say to Richard's point, talking about the Corinthians and a little bit of the background there, uh, this, was not, this does not uh, give permission for a believer to go and marry an unbeliever. Okay, this is not a permission for what we would call missionary dating, right? Where I can date them and lead them to Christ. Although Richard is a uh, did come to faith in Christ through some missionary dating, but um, anyway, that's a so did my dad for that matter, which is just weird. We're not proponents of that. Okay, what was happening in Corinth is the gospel was you know being presented to a bunch of Corinthians who were already married, and so one spouse would become a believer while the other one remained an unbeliever, and so Paul was alluding, uh, uh, was talking to them in that. He was not saying, you know, feel free, go you know, marry whoever you want to, and then you know, pray to God that they come to faith. Yeah, that, that's just not wise, okay? So I just want to clarify that. Okay? Uh, and then one other passage here that we'll look at, and then we'll talk about kind of where Watermark lands. Although I've kind of done that already. Uh, but De- Deuteronomy 24, 1 through 4, once again, uh, this is where it says if a man marries a woman who becomes displeasing to him because he finds something indecent about her and he writes her a certificate of divorce, gives it to her, sends her from his house, and if after she leaves his house she becomes the wife of another man and her second husband dislikes her, writes her a certificate of divorce, gives it to her, and sends her from his house, or if he dies... Uh, then her first husband who divorced her is not allowed to marry her again after she has been defiled. Uh, that would be detestable in the eyes of the Lord. Do not bring sin upon the land the, uh, the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance. So possible conclusions is it's not possible to remarry an ex-spouse once they've uh, remarried another. And some debate over whether the remarriage of an ex-spouse frees the other party to remarry or not. And so all of us, pretty much everybody, would agree uh, that uh, that this... Uh, 
that if this were to happen, that you shouldn't go back and, and remarry uh, an ex-spouse, okay, if that ex-spouse has married someone else, okay? Nor should you, nor are we proponents of going and attempting to break up that marriage uh, for the sake of remarrying them, okay? Um, that's not God, you know, even though maybe that marriage was not God's perfect intention, it does exist now, and it would be a sin upon another sin uh, to say, hey, let me try to break that deal up and let's start over again, okay? And so we're not that. Now, there is some debate uh, over whether just because the other spouse uh, remarries, whether uh, God's word then frees up uh, this other person to remarry. Okay, so I'm trying to think of the uh, most simplistic way to present this. But in other words, uh, it, let's say uh, you know grounds for divorce were irreconcilable differences. Spouse chooses to leave. Um, you know, and so these two spouses are are you know living separate lives. One of them is trying to be a faithful follower of Christ now, uh, and the other one says, I don't care, they end up getting remarried. Does it free this person, this other one, up to remarry, given that there were no grounds for divorce and all that? Uh, I think you'd be hard-pressed to say the Bible gives uh, freedom in that situation. Now, what we'll say and what we'll say in our, our little statement that we gave you is, at least in that, in what that view has in its favor is that there is no possibility of reconciliation. You're not slamming the door on a potential reconciliation by then choosing to go uh, and, and remarry, okay? But does does the scripture give an allowance for that person to go remarry? I, I don't know that it does necessarily, okay? Yeah, Kimberly. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So yes, if um, the, this statement in Deuteronomy 24 is only in the case where an ex-spouse has gotten remarried, that we wouldn't that that God's word does not permit them to go and say, well, I got tired of that one, and I'm starting to have nostalgic feelings about this first one, and so I'll divorce that one and come back to that one. But it does not uh, prohibit uh, the remarriage of two individuals who have uh, gotten a divorce, no matter how long they've been divorced. And so one of the greatest stories uh, of our church over the last 10 years is the story of uh, Russell and, uh, uh, Russell Lilly and his wife, Terry, Teresa? Terry. Uh, sorry, Terry, if you listen to this recording. Uh, but... Uh, you know, but they uh, got a divorce. Really, neither one of them were believers. Um, shortly after the divorce, uh, some of the men here at Watermark, he was actually cousins with one of our elders, and so Kyle began just pouring into him, discipling him, and uh, you know, he became a believer. Uh, he was an alcoholic, and so he went through Celebrate Recovery to uh, you know get over his addiction to alcohol. Really became a faithful follower of Christ. Began to pursue Terry. Uh, and uh, and over the course of eight years, they restored their marriage and they got remarried in this room uh, about two years ago, um, with their little boys, you know, at their side, and and it was just a really really sweet moment. There's a great video which I thought about it I would have brought, but um, but you know that was an eight year period of time that took place in, and so man, that's great great story of God's grace and and something that we'll look at here in a second, but. Yeah. So any other questions on that before I kind of move on? All right. Well, so looking back, and again, this is not real clear in your handout, and I don't know how clear it is on the screen, but it is on the watermark statement there. Um, and so this is kind of the disclaimer note uh, on that sheet. 
Well, we just say this. Look, remarriage after a divorced spouse marries again at least has in its favor that reconciliation was decisively cut off before. So that's what I was saying earlier. At least we go, okay, well, there's no potential for reconciliation, so if this person goes and remarries, uh, they're not cutting off uh, uh, potential here. Um, however, while the spouse is still unmarried and alive, reconciliation is still biblically possible and preferable. This makes it very difficult and raises great concerns uh, that counsel would be given that would condone a step that decisively ends what God meant to be permanent and which could yet be potentially restored. Others believe that 1 Corinthians 7.15, which we just looked at, uh, gives freedom to a Christian to remarry if abandoned by an unbeliever. Since it cannot be absolutely established that this position is incorrect, we extend grace to those who hold this position, even as those who hold to it should see the basis for and extend grace to those who hold to the other position. It should be noted that in either case, all agree that every effort should be made at reconciliation and much time and counsel and community given before any new relationship should be considered. So, what does that mean? Basically, what we're saying is that on our staff and even on our elders, we have a very small elder, I don't even know that we call it a board, but let's call it an elder board for the sake of simplicity. Uh, You know, we have a a group of elders, there's five of those guys who really lead our church. And in the midst of those five guys, you're going to find guys who differ on this issue. Okay, uh, and same thing on our staff team. If you were to walk around the eighth floor, just knock on people's doors and go, "Hey, tell me what you think about remarriage," you're going to find everyone that uh, every uh, kind of view from something similar to Piper and where he falls out to somewhere similar to John MacArthur and where he falls out. And just going back to that little chart that I gave you. And so what we say is, because the scripture is gray in that area, we as a church, we would say, "Hey, as a church, we're going to condone remarriage in certain circumstances." Okay, but if you went to um, you know an individual and said, "Hey, would you perform my wedding ceremony?" Uh, you might find that this pastor would say, "Sure, I'd be happy to do it," and another pastor would say, "I'm just not comfortable doing that because of my view and my stance on remarriage." And we're really comfortable with that. Uh, we're we're okay with that. Uh, now again, there's parentheses here where uh, we don't have anybody on our staff that just kind of gives a, you know, get out of jail free card to folks and just goes, oh man, yeah, get remarried, what's the big deal? Let's not, let's not worry about it. All of us, no matter where we fall out in that conversation, and as you heard in that little statement, all of us have a passion for reconciliation. We believe that's God's ideal, we believe that's God's best, and we're going to do everything we can to push towards that, and we're going to challenge folks who are about to get re- remarried that they ought to uh, make sure that that door is slammed shut. What did you do this microphone, Richard? It keeps falling off my ear. Um, I, that's why I keep doing this, in case you're wondering. Uh, and, uh, and so there's nobody that's just going to go, oh, sure, yeah, just go get remarried. It's going to be fine. We are going to do our due diligence as a church to make sure that we feel good about that decision moving forward. And it really doesn't matter what the circumstances were. Okay, so uh, including an unbelieving spouse. So one of the coolest things that I got to be a part of happened you know, three or four years ago with a guy uh, who's a, a, one of the leaders in our Celebrate Recovery ministry, a great guy uh, who w- was engaged to get married. And uh, he had been married before uh, and was an unbeliever when he was married at that time. And then his ex-spouse was an unbeliever. And, uh, and so we just asked him, hey, do you know where she is today? Is she remarried? I don't know. Okay, well, I think you need to find that out before you uh, remarry this. And if she's not remarried, is she open to a conversation with you uh, about what it would look like to reconcile? 
And so I'm having this conversation with this guy and his fiance sitting in the room. She's looking at me like I've got three heads and is crying her eyes out, you know. Uh, he's looking at me like I've got three heads and is wanting to punch me, you know. Uh, and yet what I love about his response was, although that was what his flesh wanted to do, he goes, you know what? If that's what God wants me to do, then that's what I need to consider. And so we had this moment about a week later where his ex-spouse, who was not a believer and an adamant unbeliever, came here to Watermark to sit down with him so that he could ask for her forgiveness and so she could do the same. And we had the opportunity to share the gospel with her and say, look, I know you say you're not a believer, but can I tell you about who Christ is? And, and you know, she listened and thanked us for that and said, but that's not for me and, and I'm done. And we as a church got to celebrate with this new couple and go, hey, man, we see. We've gotten to see the fruit of a guy who's been faithful, a guy who's done what God wants him to do, a guy who's going to go into a marriage with a, this attitude that marriage is to glorify Christ and not just to satisfy himself. And so I got to look at this sweet little fiancé who you know, wanted to shoot me a week ago and just go, man, can I tell you, that's a guy you ought to marry, and you'd be a fool not to. Because I've watched him walk in obedience through a really difficult thing. And so that, that's not a one-off story. We, we do that often. We challenge people with that often. Because we feel that strongly about the sanctity of marriage, and that what God has joined together, let no man separate, and that what has been separated by a man can very well be put back together by God. Very well be put back together by God. And so we're going to do everything we can to restore those marriages and to work towards reconciliation and to, uh, you know, Kimberly, back to your question earlier, you know, so what do we do if this other person doesn't want to engage in this conversation? We're going to talk to the person who is being faithful and say, wait, hold on, see what God may do. Don't rush into anything new. Now, that may mean that divorce goes through. and Okay, it's divorce. It happens, and again, that sounds very uh, insensitive to me. Yeah, it's divorce, but it's not the end. Divorce is not the end. Okay? God is in the business of resurrecting dead bodies. And so if he can do that, I just have no question in my mind that he restores dead marriages. Okay? And and I've gotten to see it firsthand. And so, uh, you know, that that's why we counsel that way. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> How many attempts at reconciliation have I been a part of? Sure. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. I. I. That's a great question. So the question, uh, I misunderstood it. How many attempts at reconciliation should be made before we say, no, that door is is slammed shut? Um, I, it's a great question. No, it's a really good question. Uh, me personally, how I view that, you can't have too many. You can't have too many. And, uh, you know, while the scripture is unclear on this and while, um, you know, we can say, well, here's kind of the different views. Here's what I would say. Uh, I think there's there's opportunity for disobedience on the end of I'm going to move on. I'm going to move forward into a new relationship. Now, scripture is not real clear on that, but I am prepared to stand before God someday and go, God, you weren't really clear. And I remarried some people that um, that I felt okay about remarrying based off of what I knew in your scripture. And God may look at me and go, you were wrong. You shouldn't have done that. And I will plead the grace of Christ and the blood of you know, Christ and, and the cross and, and move forward. Uh, and so there's a part of me that, frankly, wants to be more on the John Piper side because I go, well, that's the safe side. God's not going to look at me and go, you sinned because you didn't remarry that couple. Okay. In the same way, to an individual who's been divorced, um, 
God's not going to say to them if they waited until their dying day for the, the hope of reconciliation. God's not going to say, man, you missed it. You missed it. You should have gotten remarried. I, I don't think that. Where he might say to that individual on their dying day, look, that, that was a sin against me for you to remarry that. Because of, again, what I think is unclear in the scriptures. And so if I'm playing it safe, I'm going, man, I'm going to hold out for reconciliation until it's absolutely clear. In other words, God takes out my spouse, you know, or, uh, you know, takes me out. Um, I'm guaranteed that I'm not uh, going against his will in this. I'm going to be a faithful single person, uh, you know, according to his word. Yeah, Kimberly. Sure, yeah. Or, yeah, if the spouse remarries. And again... Yeah, there's some debate still lingering there of does that really free the other person up to remarry or not. So I'm going to the absolute safest. I would say that's probably the next you know, safe point there. We just go, okay, well, at least reconciliation isn't possible. Okay? Uh, so let me just kind of close off with this. So we believe that God is passionate about reconciliation. This is seen in 2 Corinthians 5, 16 through 20. So it says, so from now... Uh, Okay, I can't type. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. What do we see there? We see that God is passionate about reconciling himself to us and then giving us this ministry of reconciliation. And so, does that apply uh, to marriage? I absolutely believe that it does. I absolutely believe that it does. And that God's perfect design is that whatever marriages are separated, divorced, whatever's going on, his desire would be that that marriage would be restored. I firmly believe that. And I firmly believe beyond that, that God is capable and powerful enough to accomplish that. He is powerful enough to accomplish that and that he wants to accomplish that. And and what happens too often is that we uh, tend to get in the way of that because we look at a friend and we say, well, I just want them to be happy. And so, man, there's this great guy that I, you know works with me that I think would be perfect for her. And, you know, uh, or we, you know, are, or that individual, we're going, man, I just want to be happy. I want to have that, that man or I want to have that woman that I share my life with and that got taken away from me. And so, you know, I'm going to run headlong into that. And can I just say this? I've never, I've been doing this for five years and, um, I've never seen anybody regret waiting. Never. But I, I have a handful of stories, and probably more than that, if I were to take the time, of people who went rushing headlong into a new relationship, got remarried, and are now divorced again. For their, uh, one lady I know, fourth time. And I just look and I just go, oh man, I just wish, and, and I, we and many around that particular individual counseled her, pled with her, please don't. Please don't. And, you know, and here she is again. And there are other stories like that. And so I've never seen anybody who held out for reconciliation that, uh, that regretted it on the back end. Never. But I've seen plenty of people who have felt like, okay, I've got a green light. I can go now. This guy's a jerk. This gal's a jerk. And, and man, I can go and live my life now. And so they rush off into something else only to find that healing hadn't happened. 
forgiveness hadn't taken place and that their efforts towards reconciliation were not what God would have had for them. And so I plead with you to wait. Uh, one of the other things I wanted to look at that I didn't have in the notes is um, back again in 1 Corinthians 7 um, uh, where it talks about, back in verse 10, 10 and 11, it says, To the married I give this command, not I but the Lord, a wife must not separate from her husband. So we're looking at believing spouses here is what Paul's talking about. But if she does, she must remain unmarried or else be reconciled to her husband. And a husband must not divorce his wife. And so uh, oftentimes I have people that are going, okay, well, I'm ready to you know, start dating again. And I, just, I point them to this verse. I go, okay, so you're, you're a believer, your spouse is a believer. Yes, yes, absolutely. I know that they are and I know I am. Okay, well, it seems to me that Paul gives you two options here, not three. Your two options are to remain single or to reconcile. Now, you're wanting to add a third which is, or go on and, and find you know, the next Mr. or Mrs. Wright. And God has not given you that green light, according to his word, I don't believe. And so we're going to ask you to stay here. And, and there, frankly, there are some folks who go, man, I, will ne- I, I just cannot reconcile with him. I can't trust him or her. After, you know, do you know what she's done? And frankly, we look and we go, man, I understand why uh, you would be hesitant to do so, uh, you know, abuse or just uh, you know, a lifestyle of adultery and pornography and all that stuff and no repentance. And we just go, yeah, I understand why you would fall out there. And so it's a very faithful thing for some folks to go, so I'm going to remain single. I'm going to remain single and, uh, and I'm not going to pursue reconciliation. Great. Great, that may be what God's called you to. Other folks are going, man, you know what, I, I want to reconcile, and so I'm going to continue to put myself out there in hopes of reconciliation. We, we counsel them to do that in a wise way. Okay? If somebody comes to me and, you know, uh, you know, I have every once in a while, Richard talked about in divorce care, we talk about this line of reconciliation that people will come back to. Uh, and, uh, you know, and so this person will hang out there by that line, praying for reconciliation. All of a sudden, that other person comes back there too. They go, look, they, they want to be reconciled. And we go, hey, that's great. Don't rush off to Vegas this weekend and go pull that off. Let's, let's walk through this because that may be a flash in the pan of just a moment where they were uh, lonely or you know, frustrated or you know, uh, had a deep conviction that was you know, going to last for about five minutes. So let's, let's see. Let's make sure there's some time behind that before we encourage you to go you know, rushing back to the altar. Uh, and so there is uh, there's a real uh, desire that we have here at Watermark. Where we just go, man, please be reconciled. Be reconciled. Be reconciled first to God, and then be reconciled to each other. But the second one can't happen without the first, right? And that's why, we said, that's why I said what I said earlier, that uh, I believe that really all three of those per- permissions for divorce come down to one, which is unrepentance. That's when divorce happens. It's when one or both parties say, I just don't care, and I'm going to move forward. That's when divorce happens. Okay? Uh, now, those three things oftentimes are in play, and so we go, okay, well, that, you know, that fits into our little box, if you will. Um, but re- unrepentance is, is the, the kind of the key ingredient where we just go, okay, that's why divorce happens. But there's always opportunity for repentance to come again. Okay? So, uh, any questions? Let's kind of open it up for questions. We've got about 15 minutes. Let me go back to the question. So the question is, uh, the innocent party, uh, to use that terminology, is 
uh, we as a church would say that that person is relegated to singleness um, if it, after being divorced by a, a spouse. Here's what I would say to that question. It's a great question. So are they relegated to singleness for the rest of their life? I don't know. What I do know is I think they are relegated to singleness for this season. And that this season may lead into another season where we go, nope, you're still relegated to singleness, we, w- we would say. Because we see, you know, we, we still think circumstances are kind of in the same way. And so let's keep going on this season. And then, hey, let's go on to this next season and see. And so oftentimes the way that we counsel people is we'll go, hey, look, we're going to ask you to remain single and to pray for reconciliation for the next year. Can you commit to that? Sure, I can commit to the next year. Great. Let's do that, and let's see if God might work on that heart. Over the course of that next year, what we may find is that that ex-spouse goes and finds another one and gets remarried, and, and we just go, okay, well, again, that effectively closes the door for reconciliation. And so we may say, hey, for this next season, if you want to move forward into a, a new relationship, then, then maybe you're free, to, then you're free to do that, okay? And so I don't think that any of us are at a place where we just go, man, it is absolutely clear to me that you are relegated to singleness for the rest of your life. In a situation like that, I do think I have a really good friend who I love dearly. He was my he was in my wedding. I was in his wedding. Uh, he uh, you know goes here to Watermark, and given the nature of uh, how his divorce played out, um, uh, and given the fact that he was really the kind of the primary uh, offender, if you will, in the deal, um, he's working towards reconciliation, praying for reconciliation with his wife. I'm praying with him for that, but she is. So far said, absolutely not. I don't want anything to do with that. My counsel to him remains, stay single. Stay single. And it may be that if she never comes around to that, that I would still say to him, hey, bro, I think you need to stay single. And he's in a place where he just goes, whatever the Lord wants, that's what I want to do. And so, like I said, I think the bad news of this remarriage piece and divorce uh, is the good news of the gospel. That God is waiting uh, you know, it's, it's in uh, was it Second Peter where it talks about um, you know God is patient, unwilling that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And, and so I think we see and what we model in marriage. And when I see uh, a guy like my friend who's being really patient uh, right now and praying for, I just talked to him two nights ago, where he's just going, oh man, I just wish that she would, you know, come around and and uh, you know I just go, man, get, bro, I just celebrate you because you are modeling for us what it looks like what what Christ looks like as he waits for his bride pleads with her so and and so Dennis let me just uh, I'll I'll just say this I applaud that and I'm glad that that's what you said in that that divorce decree and what I would plead with you and others like you in your circumstances is to continue to pray towards that end because I have seen God come through in situations that look completely uh, dire and like they'll never happen. And I believe that it honors Christ to continue to wait and to be faithful in the midst of this. And let me just say this too. I say to people all the time, um, you know, oftentimes when we say, hey, wait, see what God may do. And when we think even about this concept of waiting on the Lord, which is throughout the scriptures, what we too often do is that we put that in the context of what we understand as waiting, which uh, I always use the, the analogy of the doctor's waiting room. What a waste, right? I mean, what am I doing? I'm just sitting there, I'm flipping through some, you know, 19-year-old magazine, you know, watching Finding Nemo with my kids or whatever happens to be on the, you know, the uh, screen or whatever, you know, and it's just like, man, this is just an absolute waste of time. And so oftentimes we think about when someone says, wait on God, that's where we put ourselves. 
He goes, so God's put me in his waiting room while he's busy doing other things. And nothing could be further from the truth. That that is not God's idea of waiting. God's idea of waiting is that this is a season where he's continuing to work on you, to work on your salvation. It's Philippians 1 where it talks about the fact that he who began a good work in you was faithful to complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. So he's still working. And just because you're waiting as a single person doesn't mean that you're in some kind of holding pattern, just circling the airport, waiting you know, until God tells you you can land somewhere. He is working. and He is taking you on a journey. And he's working in your heart to do something that he might not have otherwise been able to do within marriage. I believe that marriage is the most sanctifying uh, relationship that anybody could ever be a part of. But I also see God sanctifying people through singleness, through extended seasons of singleness, through separation, and through divorce. And so I, I, I believe that God is continuing to work. So, other questions? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. We extend grace to that view. I will say, though, um, uh, and I don't want to say this too dogmatically because I don't know that I can say it with complete certainty. I, I do think where it's a member of our church. Uh, that would want to get remarried under those circumstances, um, we would probably say, look, you can do that if you wish, but you probably can't call yourself a member of our body here at Watermark. Now, I I say that very much hesitantly because I think there are a number of different variables in there. I think if that, uh, given that same circumstance and the church has had an opportunity to go and to pursue this person and they show themselves to be an unrepentant uh, person, uh, and, and, you know, we, we kind of factor in, at least I do, and, and a number of us do, we factor in the Matthew 18 piece of that. Uh, Matthew 18 is where Jesus talks about, hey, if someone's caught in sin, uh, you know, go, go to them individually and plead with them for repentance. If they choose not to repent, then take some others with you. Call them to repentance. If they fail to do that, then treat them as though they're an unbeliever. Okay? Which, in that case, for me, moves them into the category of 1 Corinthians 7 of, hey, if you've been abandoned by an unbeliever. And so I think oftentimes adultery is evidence of, uh, and, and specifically unrepentant adultery that's ongoing, which is why we phrase it the way that we do that Richard said earlier. Uh, I think that is evidence that the, the Spirit of God is not alive inside of you. Okay. Now, it is not for me to determine whether that person will enter heaven or not. That's between them and God. But from my viewpoint, I just go, man, if you can... If you can with good conscience go, you know what, I'm going to go, uh, and I've had people tell me this, you know, straight to my face, hey, look, I'm going to go have my affair and live with this woman and, you know, leave my family of four behind and, and go and do this. And, hey, do you feel bad? No, I don't feel bad about this. This is, what, this is the right thing. This makes me happy. I just go, I, I told this guy in particular, I said, well, just do me a favor and don't tell anybody you love Jesus because that is a lie. That's a lie. You don't love, you cannot love Jesus and say, I'm just going to go do this. Okay? And so that's why I say it hesitantly. Now, if, if we're just limiting it to, you know, as you said, just kind of putting it in uh, that context, Ryan, then I think we have to we go, okay, if that's all the, the information I have, then I would not um, uh, affirm a decision for that person to remarry. But if there's other background where I just go, man, we've called to repentance. They've consistently rejected that, that uh, idea and have continued to run their own way then I think that brings it into a different conversation. Does that help? Do you want me to answer that question, or is that a rhetorical one? <laughs> okay. I don't know if that was a rhetorical question. Well, uh, again, Dennis, what I would say, I don't know that it tells me a ton, so I don't want to make a snap judgment on that, okay? Um, 
what it tells me from your standpoint is uh, God is still calling you to be faithful. Calling you to be faithful. And, uh, and so I just plead with you to continue to do that. And, and Dennis, at the same time, I'd love to talk about that more, maybe as we wrap up the class and, and then just ongoing conversations. So. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And that's why I, I applaud you in that, Dennis, and plead with you to continue on that path. That's good. Yeah. I know you are. I know you are. Um, well, let me just, we're done here with our time. And so just real quick, a couple of other resources. And again, you're welcome to come up and just kind of take a look at these. Uh, this is the God, Marriage, and Family book that um, I use for a lot of stuff. Uh, this is another book called Remarriage After Divorce in Today's uh, Church. It's just a, there's a lot of these books that are three views on various theological things. And so this is a great, really helpful tool. There's another one, I believe, that's four views on divorce in today's church. Um, and uh, and so if you just had like to understand more, hear what other folks have to say, the, the way these books are laid out is, you know, a guy will present his view, and then the other two guys who have the different views will write a, kind of a chapter in response to that and kind of arguing why they don't uh, agree with that. And it's done in a very gracious way. It's not a combative, you know, that guy's an idiot type of uh, deal. And so uh, it's a really helpful book just for kind of getting a, a, a com- more of a complete understanding of uh, that view. Um, I'd also encourage you to go uh, a couple of other things. And, you know, Piper has just a, a position paper on why he uh, uh, kind of falls out where he does on the divorce and remarriage issue. It's about a 27-page PDF document. Um, but it's interesting just to kind of see why he believes that according to scriptures. And then his church is Bethlehem Baptist Church. And so they basically said, hey, we as a church don't completely agree with John Piper, even though he's our senior pastor. Uh, This is how we as a church fall out. And it's very similar to where we are as a church. We just go, hey, look, we can understand why Piper gets to where he gets to, but we can also understand why this guy gets to where he gets to based on God's word, and we're comfortable having fellowship within that little parentheses. And so if you're just interested in that, uh, also Mars Hill Church in Seattle, um, uh, Mark Driscoll, uh, those guys have written up kind of their document, which is a more extended one than ours. I think it's another 30 pages where they just kind of talk about uh, their view on that. And then uh, if you go to watermarkradio.com, you can search for marriage, uh, divorce, remarriage, do any of those searches and a few uh, things will pop up. Uh, the two that we give out, at this is one that we give out at Divorce Care, which is just marriage, divorce, and remarriage, the ideal and the ordeal, or the ordeal and the ideal, whichever way you go. And, uh, and this is a sermon that Todd did several years ago. And then another series that Todd did as we worked through our way through Malachi, when we got to Malachi 2.16, he just kind of paused and did, I believe it's six weeks, on why marriage is a big deal to God. And, uh, and so these are really helpful resources. You can get them, listen to them, download them for free, uh, online at watermarkradio.com. Uh, we do have a divorce care ministry that, you know, Dennis, as you said, hey, I'm hurting. Uh, boy, that, that is a ministry for folks who are hurting uh, or who have experienced that. We do that twice a year. Our next one will start up in September, um, and so that's a little ways off, but, um, you know, we, we're certainly uh, longing to come alongside of you guys at any point in time that we can to help walk you through this. We, as a church, want to be faithful to God's Word, and to be true to it, but we also, in the midst of that, in being faithful with God's word, is also caring for those who are hurting. And so we want to be completely guilty of that uh, in the midst of, of all that's going on. And so if there's any way that we can help you, uh, we'd love to do that. So, Richard, why don't you just pray for us, and, and we'll close out. Thank you for the opportunity to gather together this morning and just to spend some time in your word and to 
look at uh, how passionately you feel about marriage and divorce, um, how you love marriage and you love it when two people come together and they effort to reflect your covenant relationship with us and how much you hate it um, when that covenant gets destroyed and you hate it because it, it hurts those that you love. So thank you for our friends who came together today to get a better understanding of that, um, whether it's to search their own heart or whether it's to help friends and family whose hearts have been hurt. Um, and uh, wherever we go from today, uh, however we go forward, we just uh, want to be honoring and obedient to you, to your word, and to the work that your son did on, did on the cross for our behalf. We pray all these things in his name. Amen.